I think this week we need to start off top of the episode a little bit of Beyond Parody. Okay. Because some crazy shit happened this last Absurd week. Absurd shit. I'm sure all of you saw the headlines. It was, it was pretty big news this week. It's like the the thing that's going on right now. But um, as, as you all might have seen, somebody broke into Nancy Pelosi's home in California mm-hmm. looking for her with a hammer, some random dude. Yeah. She wasn't there. She was in D.C., I believe. And he found her husband... And then he beat the shit out of him with a hammer. Insane. In their home. Insane. Which is just, it's absolutely crazy. And, and uh, you know, news sources, journalists and stuff went on. I think the cops too went on to find that this dude's like a crazy QAnoner. Mm-hmm. He's got links to like far right conspiracy theories and that kind of thing. Which obviously, because he walked into the house saying like, where is Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> obviously, if you're trying to take out Nancy Pelosi, you're a crazy right winger. Real. I don't think a leftist would do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, this dude breaks into the house looking for Nancy Pelosi, doesn't find her, beats up her husband. And, and uh, that was that was some pretty beyond parody news. That was great. Like that in of itself is kind of beyond parody. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like yeah. I'm I'm gonna preface it by saying like when when homeboy some dude showed up to Brett Kavanaugh's house uh-huh. and then called the cops on himself. We joked about that being a false flag. Mm-hmm. Like, keyword joke. Like, we made jokes about, oh, yeah. this guy from California and Portland went in going to do the conservative thing. He's clearly a plant. Yeah. We joked about that. But we followed up those jokes with the idea that, yeah, guys, don't go and try to kill Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Conservatives are unironically doing that. The day it happened, I saw people going crazy on Twitter. I saw somebody tweet, wow, an illegal immigrant did this. Isn't the irony <laughs> palpable? Like, uh, mm, I don't know. I don't know. The dude was an illegal immigrant? No. Oh, they just no, made it up? he wasn't. They I, just lied. I also saw they're just making up that he was like a male escort That's the big Paul one. Pelosi. And Elon Musk uh, responded to one of Hillary Clinton's tweets, like condemning the attack with this article to a Santa Monica observer, uh-huh. which uh, article which is just a fake news like organization yeah, 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 like yeah. literal fake news uh-huh. they they uh, are famous for spreading a story about Hillary Clinton being a like body double at the debates with Trump yeah like okay. sh- crazy shit like that well she's a lizard person after Re- all I mean that's real though yeah, <laughs> yeah that, she's come on, actually a lizard yeah yeah her and Zuckerberg I mean but yeah. anyway the the story is that yeah this is actually a male escort mm-hmm. like deal gone wrong like maybe Paul didn't want to pay for the services which is I always think it's funny how they immediately go to gay. Yeah. I was also thinking about that. They immediately just assume like must be the gay. It must be gay. It must be gay sex. Bad gay sex going on. Because that's where sin is derived from. Right. Anyway. Anyway, they're trying to cite evidence as the uh, the police call that Paul Pelosi like said to the cops. They said, why would the attacker have let Paul Pelosi go to the bathroom and call the cops? And why on the phone with the cops is he calling the attacker his friend? And it's like, yeah, sure, that seems like damning at first, but also then you think you're in a situation where someone just broke into your house. Mm-hmm. I just broke into your house, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna <laughs> yeah, you're me. gonna try to de-escalate the situation while you're on the phone with the cops because he wasn't on the phone. He like called the cops, dialed, let it like sit down and had a conversation with the guys like my friend, my friend. Like you're gonna try to de-escalate, right? Exactly, because you don't want someone with a hammer to come and bash your fucking skull in. And and you kind of just expect the police at that point to understand that you're speaking in a kind of code. You're speaking you- in coded language. Exactly, and they and that's exactly what happened. Is they yeah. did understand. And like something more is going on here. It's like if you call the police, like someone breaks in, you call the police and then you order a pizza. 
Like exactly. they, they know what you're doing. Yeah. You're speaking in code saying, I'm in trouble, but I can't speak truthfully right now. I can't speak earnestly because if I do, then I'll be hurt. Uh-huh. Like that, that's really all it was. But I do think it's really funny. And I, I can't draw any clear connections here. <laughs> so, so don't come at me for misinformation. But 24 hours before this happened, Marjorie Taylor Greene <laughs> tweeted, just wait till tomorrow. No, that's hilarious because oh, well, out of pocket. Like Im- immediately, that tweet in of itself is out of pocket. But immediately, right there, it's like there's more evidence to suggest that Marjorie Taylor Greene put a hit on Paul Pelosi mm-hmm. than there is to uh, suggest that Trump won the 2020 election. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like I, I, I feel like maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene was like. Uh, this is again all speculation, <laughs> but maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene knew something like this was going to happen. I it's probably more likely she was just talking about the Elon Musk taking over Twitter thing. But yeah, I, I think she if if she was involved in this, she could have been trying to put a hit out on Nancy Pelosi. But because she's so incompetent, <laughs> she forgot that Nancy Pelosi was in D.C. <laughs> with her, with her, and eventually <laughs> just sent some dude or was proxied in knowing that some dude was going to attack their house. Because like, what the fuck could she have been talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am sure it was just the Elon Musk thing, but like, yeah, yeah, such a good time. Kind of how these things go. But I do want to talk about some uh, some real shit real quick. Real shit. And I think um, obviously this is an act of political violence. A lot of Democrats condemned this as mm-hmm. an act of political violence. But my thought is that, especially after I saw this, that political violence, things like that are going to get a lot more common kind of already as they have. Yeah. And that's partially because um, of, like, long-term economic trends that the United States has been experiencing, general economic decline with, like, the relocation of manufacturing overseas, Mm -hmm. worsening economic conditions at home. But I think that because of how the economy works and how people feel so, you know, alienated from their job, they feel so isolated, they feel so neglected by the government that is supposed to represent them, they try to find a source of their frustration because that kind of economic alienation causes a lot of anxiety. You know what I mean? It's, it's literally being in a state of vulnerability, being in a precarious situation causes a lot of anxiety and it makes people want to find a source of their frustration. And some people adequately recognize that it's capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. They, they correctly understand that it is the capitalist organization of the economy that is causing their stress, causing their anxiety, causing their feeling of alienation. But some people get manipulated into thinking that it's immigrants or transgender people, or a Democratic pedophile ring ran by Nancy Pelosi that sucks the blood out of children's bodies. Yes, And if you believe that to be true, then of course violence is justified. Some people see attack ads that literally say that the the opposing candidate wants to bring over illegal immigrants explicitly to kill you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, Like, I mean, that's exactly what great replacement theory is, right? So of course you're going to see that, and if you drink the Kool-Aid, you're going to, the logical extent is, I have to defend my country. I have to do something about this. And and my point here is that while, you know, getting rid of, getting rid of every economic inequality wouldn't necessarily get rid of bigotry entirely. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, getting rid of or at least limiting economic inequality that we see in our country would make it so people aren't so vulnerable and not so easily manipulated. Because that is the core of the problem here. When you're vulnerable, when you're frustrated economically, it gives people like Donald Trump a chance to spit his message out and convince you that, yeah, it's immigrants coming across the border taking your jobs away, Mm -hmm. or it's, you know, LGBT school board members that are convincing your kids to be gay. Or it's the real problem. crime as this nebulous Uh concept that is seemingly always going up and up and up. Exactly, exactly. It's all, it's all, it all spawns from economic frustrations and the just 
immense gulf between working class people and the people that are richer than ever. Because Mm -hmm. like our country, like I mentioned that, you know, the United States has been in economic decline over the last few decades. And that is very true. But our GDP keeps climbing. The difference now is that that prosperity is unevenly distributed. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows that's true. Yeah. Even people that vote Republican, even people that are staunchly conservative on the lower rungs of the economic ladder, they know that that's true. Yeah, they, and they see that that's they true. They never see the benefits of that growing GDP. Exactly. Yet they see that as, look, the economy, as this, again, nebulous concept is growing and this economy is booming. Yeah, they've just been convinced, whether it be by right-wing grifters or people like Donald Trump, or they've even just internalized capitalism and convinced themselves that the problem isn't economic structures, it's brown people, yeah. or it's someone like Nancy Pelosi, or it's, yeah, the crime wave, black people in inner cities. Like uh-huh. that, That's what they've convinced themselves. But if we took away that economic vulnerability, we'd have a lot easier time convincing people that, no, the real problem isn't immigrants that really have no impact on your life. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, the, the politicians and the wealthy billionaires that don't do anything for you. And I just, I just also love how when a conservative does something like this, when a conservative commits a act of violence against like anyone, against a Democrat, whether it be politically motivated or not, the conservative cope is just fucking insane. Yeah. They, they make up gay sex stories uh-huh. and then they'll just go on there and say, yeah, it was an illegal immigrant and just lie. Well, yeah. And it's the conservative narrative when Brett Kavanaugh had like protesters outside of his house and then that one dude that was going to attack and then didn't yeah the immediate reaction from conservative news outlets was oh my god nobody's taking this seriously and then you heard about it the whole week the immediate reaction from the senate was to increase security (laughs) and increase funding to the capitol exactly like Like there there was a material change right after it liberals took it very seriously when that happened everybody condemned it joe biden condemned it and now when nancy pelosi was going to be attacked this guy wanted to presumably killed Nancy Pelosi, they really just kind of make up conspiracy theories around it to, I don't know, what, justify it almost? (laughs) Or to make it seem like liberals aren't actually under attack? I don't know. It's weird. Because, like, I've seen, I've even seen people, like, resort to the level of, well, conservatives are anti-crime, so I guess it's good that this criminal is going away, or conservatives are anti-crime, so he can't really be a conservative. Right, like they're saying this is happening because Democrats won't do anything to limit crime. Oh, and there was the there's the Charlie Kirk tweet, which is just wrong on so many levels. He tweeted, um, can't wait to see uh the Paul Pelosi attacker get out on cashless bail. Yeah. That's not how cashless bail works anywhere, dog. <laughs> like they just lie and lie and lie. Yeah, they just lie to cover up for the fact that it was orchestrated by Marjorie Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Just kidding, yeah. Welcome back to Head in the Office, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Uh, for legal purposes, everything I said was a joke. Um, you can't every single thing I've every ever said. Every single thing I've ever said on the pod, all of it's a joke. None of it's real. But before we get into the episode, we've got a lot to talk about today. we got to talk we about do. elections. we got to talk about that debate from Pennsylvania that everyone's been talking about. Very intriguing debate. Uh, we got to talk about a little bit of billionaire news. we got to talk about crime. Our favorite class of people, billionaires and criminals. It's like Our favorite criminals. two classes of people. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into the episode, I'll remind you all to go buy some merch at headintheoffice.com. Check out our YouTube. Get ready for our election night live stream 8 p.m 8 p.m EST. est on youtube we'll be watching the results as they come out chatting y'all up uh exactly. giving y'all a chance to interact with the community and if you're so. thinking if you're thinking hmm 8 p.m that um sounds like 8 p.m to like maybe 12 p.m or 11 p.m that exactly. doesn't sound like enough time to hang exactly. out with the hiddo boys maybe i want to get in there at 7 p.m eastern standard <laughs> time well you can because if you go and sign up for the Patreon, uh-huh. you get access to the one-hour exclusive Patreon pre-show. Exactly, you'll be able to get in there, and uh, you gotta, you gotta just, you gotta get in there. 
because gotcha. you may be thinking that, well, it's a Tuesday night. Elections are on Tuesdays. I got to work in the morning. What are you thinking? Yeah. Like, this is pretty anti-working class of yeah, you guys. Come on, guys. Then if you pay us <laughs> on Patreon, you get in there early. Uh, so you can join the early pre-show at 7 p.m. Just saying. I'll, just saying. Go for it. But, of course, check out all the other socials, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, Hitto Extras. You already know what to do. Uh, uh, and if you want to support the show. Importantly. Most importantly. If you want to support important. the show, you can go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it on the show. It looks like we um, we yelled at you guys adequately last episode and That's the right. episode before that because we got five reviews to read today. Woo, one of them is Gat Spider-Man coming through yet again. Yet again, yeah. Just killing the game. That is the first one we got on the list. Gat Spider-Man, recurring customer, subject line, time is running out. They say, this is Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> and we need your help now. The DNC needs only $300,000 in order to finally capture crucial information needed to take down the real enemy of democracy. Donate $30 or more to become a real hero of democracy and lead our fight against the great voices of evil, such as these head-in-the-office criminals. That's right. We need your support now, or else the GOP plants and others <laughs> and others of the like will be teaching your children at school thank you for fighting with me on the right side of history nancy let's go let's absolutely gas spider man you are um you're a hero of democracy real i bet i bet you donated that 30 because you're the real hero of democracy <laughs> here our second one is called uh the pod by oshiel 14 they say always funny and informative the boys will t- tear up any politician they can get their hands on Found them on TikTok ages ago, but just started listening this summer. It gets me out of bed each week knowing that a new episode is dropping. Hopefully, after I scrounge up some cash to become a pa- hopefully I can scrounge up some cash to become a patron, so they can make two episodes a week. That's right. Can't wait to hear them talk about the battleground de- battleground debate from my home state of Pennsylvania next week. Keep up the excellent work, Kings. Well, next week is coming. It's this next week. Next week is coming. That's right. It's right now. In next fact. week is happening because we're talking about the debate later on this episode. That's right. And hopefully you can scrounge up that money before Tuesday. Exactly. So you can see us cover the results as they come in from Pennsylvania. <laughs> I hope you, you get your hustle up and scrounge up quickly. Next one. By Sonny N. Cole, surprisingly good takes. They say, as a woman with an interest in politics, I never expected to enjoy a political podcast hosted by two quirked up white boys. But here I am. After finding them on TikTok, I fully expected to listen to half an episode and leave. But the guys are out here laying down political news in a way that's easy to understand while giving actually good, non-regressive takes. Highly recommend the show to anyone who's looking to keep up to date on politics. Love from North Carolina. Keep up the good work. Let's go. You want me to take the last two? You you got it. I've been practicing my reading, everyone. That's right. Best podcast I listen to by Jack Higgum always makes my day to sit down and listen to the friendly neighborhood leftist Gage and Jeremy. I figured that after listening to every single episode, another binger and never (laughs) watching a review, uh, never writing a review, it was time to do my part. That's right. Genuinely funny and smart. Gage and Jeremy have the takes that make it bearable to keep up with the news cycle. Keep it up, boys. You're doing good work here. That's right. That's right. That's right, Jack. Perfect. Finally wrote a review. Perfect review. Destroying fascism with a review by input lag. I can no longer sit idly by as these beautiful <laughs> boys are starved for reviews. I am truly disappointed by my fellow Hitto boys for not supporting our boys. That's what I'm saying. Subscribing to the YouTube channel is free. I've been saying this. <laughs> I, I've Big been if true. saying this. Big if true. And so is writing a review. I've been saying this every week. We cannot let these lads get silenced by reviewless fascism. Uh, this is what I I've agree. You have to stand up and you have to take charge for the things that you believe in. Look, people aren't talking about it. People aren't talking, but input legs got it down. People aren't saying this. Yeah. Why aren't people talking about reviewless fascism? All right, it's time to get into our news coverage. We're starting off with the debate of the century. That's right. John Fetterman versus Dr. Oz out of Pennsylvania for the Senate seat. A wild debate. Absolutely wild debate. The fate of the Senate literally hangs in the balance. That's right. You need to vote harder. 
You vote uh, that's Arthur. what you gotta um, do. John Fetterman, why are you disabled? Yeah, but uh, we we gotta start we gotta start off with this debate. Uh, obviously, the main talking point from everybody, which we will get to a little bit later on, mm-hmm. more in depth, is that Je- uh, John Fetterman struggled a lot because he couldn't speak, yeah. which is true. Dude had a stroke. Which, he wasn't doing hot. It's like it's like come on now. He has an auditory issue and he's got an issue with speaking. Yeah, it's not necessarily like a cognitive function issue. It's not like he can't think. He just slurs a little bit of his words. He, as he says in the beginning, he sometimes mushes words together. He sometimes mm-hmm. forgets a word, and he has a hard time like hearing a little bit. That is not a condition that is conducive to you have sixty seconds to encapsulate your entire platform yeah. and position on this one all-encompassing issue and then maybe if your opponent makes a like attack at you because he wasn't talking about the issue you have 15 seconds to respond Mm -hmm. i don't even know if i'd do well in that environment (laughs) yeah exactly let alone if i had a speech impediment well yeah the structured debates that politicians do are never really good platforms to actually getting like real policy Absolutely real, real policy out there, real policy change that you want to put out there. It's never a really good environment the, for that. These debates are designed to rhetorically dominate your opponent. Uh-huh. Like that that's all that they're for. Why else would you have 60 seconds to answer and 15 seconds to rebut? They also usually always favor Republicans because a lot of the time the narratives are just like the social issues, the cancel or not the cancel culture, but like the um the culture war issues mm-hmm. that moderators will ask about are wholly crafted by Republicans. Oh yeah. And just have nothing to do with actual policy positions that someone be would be able to institute as senator or governor or representative mm-hmm. or whatever else it may be. And also Republicans can just get up there and lie. Real. Like Democrats won't get up there and just lie. Or Republicans, Republicans will just stand up there and like lie about transgender people in schools or something. They can get up there and say, uh, you are going to be raped and murdered by yeah. an immigrant if you let any more come across the border. And a Democrat will have to explain, well, you see, actually, when we when we take in people across the border and the legal process of seeking asylum and all of these other things, you can't do that in 60 seconds. Right. Like if you have a debate about climate change, right, Democrats have to go into, well, there's, you know, many environmental crises that are happening right now. We can work on solar, hydro, et cetera, et cetera. The Republican just goes, it's not real. Or the Republican <laughs> says, actually, the climate has been changing for as long as we can remember. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, it's no real nuance in it. Like, you know, with immigration, Democrats will re- propose actual immigration reform, and then uh, Republicans are just like, no, close it. Mm-hmm. Close the border. Close border. Protect it. More border patrol. They, they are designed... You you win, win, quote-unquote, a debate like this by just staying on message, like, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. And that's what Dr. Oz did. Oh, yeah. And he did a he did a scarily good job, but uh-huh. he is a trained media personality. So oh, if you watch that TV and got nervous... Years. If you watch that and got nervous, Dr. Oz has literally had decades of media training. Of course he was going to do well. Mm -hmm. There was no world where he was going to fumble this. All you have to do, it's a performance. Yeah. It's not actual testament to your actual policy beliefs and how they will hold up in the scope of like nationwide policy. It's just a performance. Mm -hmm. And that's what debates have always been like. like, It it was interesting because I feel like, like as we go in and we look at their answers for each of these questions, I feel like Oz is running his campaign as if he's like Joe Manchin, as if he's a center right Democrat. Like it's a it, he, a lot of his answers were really weird, as we'll get into. Yeah, and I almost feel like a lot of the things Oz said, he said because he knew Fetterman wouldn't like physically be able to respond to everything. Oh, f- oh for sure. I know he was for exploiting sure. the fuck out of that. Like I know he was going. Like John Fetterman starts off with like, "Yeah, I had a stroke." Doctor Oz will not let me forget. Uh huh. I think he was going like, in on yeah, that purposely. Yeah, and it's like another like weird like big point is I feel like both of these candidates have been pushed more towards center. Yeah. Like sure. Just because of how Pennsylvania is. They mentioned later on in the debate that uh, they did a poll and Pennsylvania voters considering if if 2024 would have the same like presidential 
candidate makeup yeah. as 2022 did. Trump versus Biden. 46% would vote Trump and 45 would vote Biden. It is statistically split down the middle. Yeah. And I think that's why both candidates are moving towards center. Yeah. And and we'll talk about how Fetterman's moving towards center as well. Because there's a couple of ways that he I was yeah. like, all right, dog. Yeah, I don't that. I don't not like Fetterman for his disability because that's wrong and ableist. Exactly. Uh, there are some things he said where I'm like, come yeah. on, dog. So the moderators, they started off with economic issues was the first one. And they basically just asked about inflation off rip, which uh, Oz and Fetterman or Oz said Fetterman plays plans to raise taxes, which it, I don't even know how true that is. But if it is true, that does help inflation. Like, theoretically, like raising taxes, right, takes money out of the economy, which means there's less money to be spent, which means prices inflate less. It because, decreases the money supply. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's always a way that you can cause deflation it's and slow the, down uh, the economy. Isn't it the same logic as to why the Fed raises interest rates to decrease inflation? Because if you raise interest rates on loans and people have less money to spend on other things and have to be wiser with their spending yeah, exactly. and shit like that. Well, yeah, and that is the reason, but also they like interest rates more because it hurts poor people the most. Real. <laughs> While increasing taxes, if you do it on richer people, obviously will decrease profit margins, and that's not what they want. No. no, no but if you raise no. interest rates, then that means Poor people make less money <laughs> and have to pay more back on their loans. That's um, why I think that we should raise taxes on the bottom 50%. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I actually think we should uh, have a flat tax rate. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Fetterman does make the point that like Oz obviously doesn't know the effects of inflation because he owns 10 homes, which is like a good answer. But Fetterman doesn't a offer a real answer on this question, yeah. which I was like, yeah, whatever. It's kind of just like a jab, but I feel like the jab doesn't work because it's like Oz is still on message when it comes to inflation. Yeah. He's still getting at the root of like everything else. It's like, I understand you're trying to paint him as an out of touch politician, which mm -hmm. I think he does so more successfully later when he talks about how Oz invested like millions of dollars into this race just to move to Pennsylvania to buy the seat. Yeah. It's like, I think that's a little bit more effective than you have 10 houses. Yeah. Probably, most probably. politicians are like that. Yeah. And then the moderators moved on to minimum wage, talking about economic issues. They said something along the lines of like Pennsylvania still has a $7.25 an hour minimum wage, same mm -hmm. as the federal minimum wage, while surrounding states have increased it to, you know, say $9, $10 an hour. And they're basically asking, should we increase federal minimum wage across the board to help it, Pennsylvania? Would, would you support a $15 federal minimum wage? Yeah. Fetterman obviously says yes. Yes. He supports, like, no surprise there. Then Oz has an interesting take. This is where it says, got weird. He said the, the free market has already driven up minimum wage, which, like... That's not that's the federal not minimum wage, minimum wage is, is set by the federal government. You drive yeah. it up by increasing it. It's like, <laughs> and if he meant that the market has driven up wages in general, not minimum wage, then he'd also be wrong. Yeah. Wages have been pretty stagnant throughout the last 50 years when you account it, for inflation. real, real wages have yeah. been stagnant accounted for inflation, but it's also that. And then he went on to say that actually $15 isn't enough minimum wage. Uh -huh. There are people struggling. I don't know why Fetterman only wants people to make $15. Yeah. And then he said, I actually would support higher wages. And we're going to get that by bringing energy back to Pennsylvania. And this is where he really yeah. starts to be on message with everything he does. He says, we're going to bring back fracking. Unleash the energy. All of this. Unleash the energy. Mm -hmm. We need energy independence. That's how we're going to get wages to go higher. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't know, Pennsylvania... Uh, Energy is a huge issue there because they're yeah. a huge energy state. They mentioned later that um, I think Pennsylvania is second only to Texas when it comes to oh, energy wow. exports or gas exports, one of the two, mm -hmm. like natural gas shit. Yeah, I know what you mean. And it's like Dr. Oz says the thing about, yeah, Fetterman only wants you to make $15. It's a minimum, brother. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's, like, you know, <laughs> that's why it was it's, so it's weird. the baseline that you could make. And yeah. You could make more, just not less. <laughs> 
I don't know. It, it was weird. But yeah, he, he brought up the unleashing the energy thing. He tries to paint this idyllic universe where like everyone gets paid a bunch of money and businesses also make a bunch of money across the board. But this is literally impossible, right? Mm -hmm. Because labor is a cost of production. When business owners, when capitalists are trying to make their money, the equation is very simple, right? Yeah. It's revenue divided by the uh, the amount of production that, or, or the amount that production costs. Mm -hmm. And a part of production is paying for labor and then paying for, you know, your machinery, the leases on your building, et cetera, et cetera. They want to make that denominator as little as possible yeah. so that they can make, so they can get as much profit out of it as possible, right? They don't want to divide by a lot of labor. The least that they can. Exactly. There is no, like, there, sure, there are industries in the United States right now where workers make a ton of money and also the boss makes a ton of money. But this certainly is not the case across the board, has never been the case across the board. And without a set standard of living afforded to all people, you're basically going to guarantee that at least some people will just die because they can't afford things. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, if if we had no minimum wage at all, there would be, like, it's not like everybody would be a slave. Not yeah, it's everyone not would be like there would only dollars. be zero wages. Right, exactly. But there would be some people getting paid basically nothing. Yeah. And there would be some people that can't afford things like healthcare, like housing, like food. Their children would be malnourished, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you, you guarantee that will happen unless there's a set standard of living. And the only way we can really do that is through state or federal governments. And it's like, even just going back to Oz's pure answer here, his answer is hopefully, clearly incoherent. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he also brings up... Fetterman wants the minimum wage. How do you address businesses that can't afford the minimum wage? Yeah. And it's like what you should address, rebut to that by saying is that not every business deserves to be in business. Yeah. You have no fundamental right to own a business, but you should have a fundamental right to be able to live and afford to live with at least your bare necessities covered, which minimum wage does not do. Yeah. Um, at least in Michigan, if you go to, I think it's like realwages.com, there, there's some website that we can probably link in the description. It shows you by breakdown, like how much an adult needs to make to be at poverty, yeah. how much adult with zero children needs to make with two children uh, uh, two people working, like a two-parent household, single-parent household, yeah. and it compares all of that, what the living wage is for your bare necessities to minimum wage. And in every case, minimum wage is lower than the um, bare minimum wage. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, it's less than the poverty wage. That's just speaking to Michigan, but I'm sure it can be extrapolated nationally because that's yeah. just kind of how things work. Yeah. But still, he it's just... I, I believe the worker has more of a right to life than a business owner would have to, to having their business, have, owning a business and taking all of that labor. Yeah, exactly. And even if you don't want to go that far and have the take like, well, if you can't afford to pay your people, you don't afford to have you can't you don't deserve to have a business. Even if you don't want to go that far, you can just say like, yeah, well, having if workers are paid more then that means businesses do better, especially small businesses. Yeah, because people are going to be spending more locally if they can afford to do so, which helps small businesses overall. Mm -hmm. Or you can even just say, well, we can stagnate it. Right. We raise one dollar every year, not all at once. Like that's exactly. the easy retort that you the, can make. the Bernie plan that Florida implemented. Yeah, exactly. That Florida implemented. Like that's that's really all you got to say there. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like not many working class people that are still making minimum wage, especially like people in Florida or not in Florida, in Pennsylvania. They said like many yes. people in Pennsylvania still make minimum wage. I don't think any of them will see Dr. Oz saying this and be like, that's a great idea. Be like, that's a great idea. Cause that, and then Dr. Oz hits the talking point. He's like, well, if you raise minimum wage and you take these businesses out of businesses, yeah. wages go to zero dollars. And it's like, yeah, that's a good talking point. But is that really how it works? Never, never at, has at, been. At any point in 
history of the United States when minimum wages raises has been raised has a significant amount of businesses gone out of business to which there's like some crazy rise in unemployment right I don't think so it because that's what they would be talking about they would be talking about the real time that happened they wouldn't be talking about these hypothetical situations they made up yeah in fact the last time we raised minimum wage in like 2009 we were coming out of a an economic recession the great recession yeah <laughs> we, were, we were coming out of the mortgage crisis of 2008 like it, it actually probably helped our economic Second recovery. only to the Great Depression. Exactly. And the, the economic stimulus then was even still lackluster and insufficient. We still haven't fully recovered yeah. from a lot of the, the trauma and pain that that uh, recession caused. But like... Yeah, the, the, you, can, you can't say that if we raise minimum wage like $30, of course that would cause damage. Yeah. But we're saying to 15 and yeah. even that is still not enough. Something a little more livable. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we move on to uh, abortion. That was the next. This uh, quite the highlight this of was, the debate. This was probably one of the crazier moments of the debate. The moderators moved on to abortion. They're basically asking like, do you want exceptions? What's your stance on abortion? Like, would you vote for a national abortion ban? That kind of thing mm-hmm. when they're talking to Oz. And John Fetterman had the normal take like, yeah, of course I support a woman's right to choose, reinstate Roe v. That was basically his take. And then Oz said that the federal government should not be involved in abortion, but women, doctors, and local political leaders (laughs) should be involved in making that decision. I don't know what that means. No, literally. And it's it's also like it speaks to a point that we've been talking about for the last few months, ever since we've been talking about abortion with when the Roe News initially leaked, where it's like – yeah, the motherfuckers always talk about the federal government not being involved. It should be a state's right to choose. But what's the difference between a state making that decision uh-huh. for you and the federal government making that decision for you when it comes to abortion? And it, it's even it even holds true where it's like I feel like the the right wing rhetoric is to like get. I don't. I don't even fucking know. It's just such an insane answer. It's yeah, so hard yeah, yeah. to just like make sense of it. Well, and it's functionally there's no difference between the federal government outlawing something and the state you live in outlawing something. Yeah, it has the same effect to you. It doesn't feel any different if the state is saying you can't do this versus the federal government saying you can't do this. It's a government all the same that is exactly. controlling your behavior. That I mean, that's the real critique there. And Dr. Oz was basically just saying that like local leaders need to be included. He said women, doctors, and local leaders. Like, yeah, don't forget the Yarl when you're making a decision. <laughs> don't like, forget your alderman. Don't forget the uh, state board of trustees. Yeah, exactly. You're talking about this. Maybe the comptroller <laughs> your county needs commissioner to be in the room. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, his answer was absolutely insane. And then the moderators kept pressing him about, would you have voted for uh, Lindsey Graham's abortion ban that he put up in yeah. the Senate? The one that limited abortion at 15 weeks. Uh, I think had exceptions for rape, incest, and medical exemptions. But once you hit 15 weeks, no abortion except for mm-hmm. those reasons. Uh, and Dr. Oz would not give an answer on that. Yeah, He refused to say no. He kept saying over and over like um, something along the lines of like, uh, it should be like local leaders that make decisions. It should be state leaders that make the decision. He wants like, he he's not going to support federal laws that regulate abortion, but he wouldn't outright say, I will not vote for this bill. Yeah, and it's like, it's the same fucking thing. Like, yeah. It's just the same thing, whether the federal government does it or whether the state government does it. The only difference is the amount of people affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. We then move on to the moderators asking about fitness to serve. So you know what this section was entirely about. It was basically John Fetterman. Why Why are you disabled? Yeah. Why are you disabled right now? The the moderators basically ask Fetterman, when are you going to release your full medical records? Uh, He says he's not going to do it and that his doctor has already said that he's fit to serve. Like he's got a doctor's note that he sent to the media and stuff like that, which was his whole answer. And then the moderators asked Dr. Oz. Why he's lied to his audience about medical solutions in the past. And if that means that he's like, you know, doesn't have the integrity, can't be trusted. And, and they asked him also explicitly, have you made any money off of the products that you endorsed on your show? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and he, he said no, but like Dr. Oz is known for selling like strange quack medical treatments to things that like aren't real. Like like you know barely I mean? a step up from gas station penis pills. Yeah, barely a step up from what Alex Jones does with like his doomsday kits on his show. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's barely different. Like we know what kind of how Dr. Oz has made his money. Mm-hmm. Like we've we've seen it. Like, like we, come we on know now. the kind of person that he is. And then he went on to like accuse John Fetterman of supporting socialized medicine. That was so wild. Um yeah, there was a weird section because Fetterman basically said he doesn't and then he was like, well, if you have, like, socialism and medicine, that means there's no doctors. He said Wait. he said something like socialism and medicine, that, that leads to a bad system. That means that doctors don't want to work anymore, and that leads to longer lines and longer wait times. Which is like, okay, I'm going to assume he's just talking about, like, nationalized healthcare system. Yeah. So many countries on the planet have nationalized healthcare, and they also have doctors. But I just, <laughs> like, I just what, thought, what are you talking about? fundamentally, it was so wild to pivot from, Dr. Oz, have companies paid you to endorse their products on what you are presenting as a medical show to John Fetterman supports socialized medicine? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, come on, that's so politician. It it was really weird, especially because, like, like doctors, it's not like doctors wouldn't be paid. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're not we're not making doctors work. Like, you, you still get paid. You'll just be an employee of the government at that point rather yeah. than an employee of, you know, whatever healthcare company or, or whatever else you work for. Like, that's all it would be. Yeah. I, I, whatever. Dr. Oz is weird. Uh, <laughs> moving on to fracking, though. This was an interesting section. Quite the section. Because they just agreed with each other. Uh-huh. And then attacked each other for agreeing. Oz said, like, he loves fracking. It's been proven to be safe. And then they played, like, a John Fetterman clip um, or whatever. The mods, like, started it out by saying, you both have flip-flopped your position on fracking. Mm -hmm. And they pointed to a 2014 column that, uh, not a column, they pointed to a 2014, like, thing that Oz did. Saying that pending further medical review, fracking, all fracking should cease until we can study it to see the effects of it. Yeah. And as of now, like, it doesn't seem like it's safe at all, which it's not safe. Not at all. The overwhelming Causes consensus cancer. is that fracking is not safe. Pumps methane into the air. It leaks all of these bad chemicals into the local soil and yeah. water supply. It's a very bad thing. And then I believe in 2018 or close, oh, in March, he wrote a column saying that actually we need more fracking. Flacking is completely safe. Uh-huh. So that's how he flip-flopped. And then they asked John Fetterman why in 2018 there's an interview of him saying that we should not be fracking at all. It's very bad to saying like two months ago that fracking is actually very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then John Fetterman's answer was, I've always supported fracking. And I always will support And fracking. I always will. Which and we should like, do more fracking, and Joe Biden should stay away from Pennsylvania. Yeah, you no, know, literally. And then he he said, he said, yeah. I live across from a steel mill, and they started fracking, and I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Brother, you <laughs> should not be. <laughs> I don't know if you're the guy to say that. There's that. And then, um. God damn, Dr. Oz started saying some shit about fracking, just trying to defend. He's like, actually, no, I've just always thought it was safe. Yeah. Like, yeah. the science is clear. It's safe. The science is very clear that it's not safe. Yeah. You are lying. Uh, the, uh, what the moderators were trying to do is just show they both flip-flopped before. I tried to have them account for why they flip-flopped before, and now they're both just saying, let's do more fracking. I, I don't understand why, like, Fetterman said, no, I've always supported fracking, when you haven't. Yeah. It's clear that you haven't. Why didn't he say, actually, I used to not support fracking, but now I recognize it as a need for the Pennsylvania economy yeah, to bring yeah. more jobs back, to boost, like, to, to do the politics 
inflation talk about jobs and bringing and, jobs back and what? raising wages, although that's all fucking shit because fracking is bad. He, sh- he should have said that for messaging's sake. And it's like what I would have liked to have seen is him say something along those lines like we need it for the local economies in Pennsylvania to bring jobs back, et cetera. But then he also could have said fracking is also proven to be bad for the environment. Yeah. And we should transition towards renewable energies. And if you elect me senator, I will bring renewable energy jobs to Pennsylvania because it's an untapped market. We should use revenue gain from fracking now as I recognize it as a short term necessity to right. bring jobs back to Pennsylvania to then subsidize further um, investment into renewables to make Pennsylvania a renewables energy leader throughout the country and further throughout the world. Yeah. I wa- put me on. <laughs> put me saying. in, coach. Put me in. Tag us in right now, John God Fetterman. Damn. Why didn't you hire us months ago? We got this shit on lock. And that's like the centrist take. I just came up with that. Yeah. Because like fracking in our mind should be banned. Like, Yo, it's, it's bad. Practice. I don't like it at all. It's a horrible <laughs> practice. But like, yeah, that's the perfect response. It's just like, we will use the funds we get out of fracking to put back into the economy yeah. for renewable energy. It's that's like, all you I don't say. like it, but I recognize the need to stay on message in a market like Pennsylvania exactly. when you're trying to keep the Senate in such an important Senate election. Yeah. Like, and none of that has to be a lie either. You can just, you can do exactly that. Yeah. Invest I, in renewables. Like, come on. Like there, there's going to be fracking in the short term too. Like, I, yeah. Ridiculous. And that's right? like, that's like the perfect answer to that question. But whatever. Put me in coach. For real. Uh, they moved on to public safety and this is the time when they asked John <laughs> Fetterman why the, he put a gun to the chest of a black man yeah. in his neighborhood. I still don't really know why that happened. Other I, than I Fetterman thought he like had a gun or something. I don't know. I don't know the context behind that, but Fetterman explained it as like everyone in I don't remember what fucking town it was. Everyone in Braddock understands why that situation happened, understands that I like did it to keep the public safe. It's a majority black town. They were all pretty supportive of it. And Oz goes, why didn't you apologize? Which is so funny coming from someone like Oz who just supports police brutality. Someone like Oz who won't acknowledge the Armenian genocide. Yeah, it is weird though. It was he's like hounding on Fetterman for doing this to an unarmed black man, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you support the unarmed killing of black men by police officers. Yeah. like this, is, you're scoring for him with the conservatives right now. Yeah, goofy, 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 uh, goofy. But then, and like a, a huge segment of the Oz's attack yeah, on yeah. Fetterman was all about how, like, when he was on the board of the, uh, when he was on a parole board, he would commonly like vote by himself, like against public opinion. He would be the dissenting opinion uh, on the parole board to release uh murderers Mm -hmm. which i don't know the truth of that but like hot take that's okay sometimes people who have committed a murder when they're 18 because they were involved in bad things Mm -hmm. don't deserve to be put away for the rest of their life sometimes they can be rehabilitated from that yeah but for republicans it just becomes a talking point oh yeah for republicans that doesn't matter you're letting killers out they're gonna go fucking kill you and murder you in your sleep which is why we said earlier that debates are always easier for republicans in this context because they can just say you let murderers out you're they're gonna go and kill people when in reality if you're actually on this board you might have come to a determination based on real evidence that this person isn't gonna hurt anybody else therefore exactly. shouldn't be in jail anymore. No, because that's, that's what it is. But that's like a take that you can't really recite with nuance in like 60 seconds or a 15 Absolutely second not. rebuttal. Absolutely not. Right, exactly. Uh, but then the moderators did ask on public safety if gun if uh, Dr. Oz supports the gun reform bill that was went through the Senate and the House however many months ago after yeah. Uvalde. Uh, and Oz actually had a pretty good answer on this, which really sucked, I think. Which is like also uh, why it makes me think that he's just like Joe Manchin. Oh, yeah. He's just Joe Manchin, but at running as a conservative like Joe Manchin should. 
like Oz on this question was saying something about like he supports the background checks. He supported the mental health care that was within the bill, but he wanted to, you know, maybe take a look at it to change some of the things before he would have voted on it. And it's like that's a an answer you can't really criticize mm-hmm. from from the perspective of a Democrat. Like that's the perfect answer he could have given. Yeah, because it doesn't look like he's too extreme on guns. It doesn't look like he wanted to take, you know, Second Amendment away entirely. So like the, but he did pivot to police funding right after that. So Oh, for sure. For sure. Like the only thing you can ask about that is like, oh, well, what things would you change? But yeah. again, it's a 60 second debate with 15 second rebuttals yeah how do you get into any of that Oz could just be lying (laughs) yeah they then moved on to immigration which I thought was really weird uh given that the debate was in Pennsylvania uh, pretty (laughs) far north Oz Oz said um we are basically a border state because (laughs) we are number three in fentanyl overdoses there's fentanyl and people are worried about there being fentanyl in their mailboxes yeah Doctor, you are a doctor. You are a medical doctor. You, I know you know that you can't touch fentanyl and die. Yeah. I know you know this. Why are you parroting these talking points? I don't know where this like fentanyl talking point even came from. It I, seems pretty new. I'm pretty sure it came from that video of a cop's wife touching fentanyl and like having a fake seizure. Yeah, I think it might have been that as well as um, renewed conversations around George Floyd. And how Candace Owens basically said, actually, he didn't die because of police brutality. He was actually just a drug user, and that's why he died. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't matter that there was a a knee on his neck. Yeah, just complete denial. I think that might have been where it stemmed from. But also, I think, I mean, it's it's not a real departure from the Republicans' war on drugs that they're still trying Mm -hmm. to wage. So it's like, yeah. Like fentanyl's not good, obviously. Obviously, but. no. But it's like I conservatives just completely underscore the reason why fentanyl ends up in the drug supply. Yeah, they just say, oh, it's because illegal immigrants are bringing it uh, to explicitly kill people, and drug dealers actually just want to leave fentanyl on your car doors so that when you touch them, you die. I because also, drug dealers yeah. want to limit their supply. Yeah. <laughs> I also I also love how just like every single candidate that ends up talking about drugs on a debate stage famously completely ignores the U.S. role in manufacturing millions oh, of yeah. drugs overseas. Oh, yeah. Like I'm pretty sure at one point Laos during our intervention in Laos produced like like 50 percent of the world's drugs. Soldier, crazy. Soldiers in Afghanistan guarded poppy fields. Yeah. Like, like, come on now. Like what the fuck? And it's also like I, I just love the rhetoric around fentanyl because it ignores is why drug dealers deal drugs yeah do drug dealers deal drugs to kill people or do drug dealers deal drugs to make money yeah exactly they the the reason why fentanyl ends up in drug supplies ends up in people's drugs is because fentanyl is so effective in micrograms like the effective doses Uh in micrograms that is one times 10 to the negative sixth grams that is one gram divided by a hundred thousand yeah that's your effective dose for fentanyl that ingested right And so they put a little bit of fentanyl in, like, uh, their cocaine, their wheat, whatever, to make the drug more potent yeah. so that they can give you less but keep charging you the same thing for the same effect. That's the reason why. Entrepreneurship, really. Uh, simple entrepreneurship. Yeah. Entrepreneurship 101. It's a hustle. 101 it's a right hustle. there. But obviously, they fuck it up a lot because, again, the effective dose is in micrograms. So is the lethal dose. Mm-hmm. So you're going to fuck it up. That's why fentanyl gets in the drug supply. It's not this thing where it's like, I'm going to just go fucking murder people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to limit my uh, customer base no yeah literally because it's it's completely antithetical to what being a drug dealer is not that i have any experience yeah but it's just like yeah if you want to sell drugs why would you intentionally kill people literally like, like what's the point it's that and then conservatives take that fentanyl is uh, effective in micrograms and they see that um there's a fentanyl patch that mm-hmm. they used to give people, which also had a dose in micrograms, and think that, oh, clearly fentanyl can get through your skin. It really can't. It's very hard for fentanyl yeah, to get right, through right, the right. skin. That's why there's a fentanyl patch, so that it can force it through your fucking skin. Concentration mm-hmm. gradients, baby. That's what it's all about. If you touch fentanyl, nothing will fucking happen to you. 
Yeah, a little bit of critical thinking around Republican talking points would really go a far way. Oh God. They but just do not try. How anymore. do you explain that when Dr. Oz yeah. just makes a fucking passing comment about fentanyl in your mailbox? Not yet. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, how do you, you can't really rebut that because you got to pick and choose what you're actually going to talk about. And even then, when you're thinking about so many other issues as a candidate, you got to have a take on literally everything. Yeah. How are you going to remember the specific amounts of fentanyl you can take before it kills you or something like Especially that? Especially if you're not a scientist. Yeah, exactly. Especially when, if you're not in the Students for Sensible Drug Policy Club at your local college and <laughs> yeah. that's the only reason why you know about this stuff <laughs> yeah yeah fetterman on the topic of immigration though did hit oz on hiring a bunch of illegal immigrants for his company which i'm pretty sure is undeniably true at this point yeah uh so oz has obviously benefited from an unsecure quote-unquote border if we're going to use republican terms so. he, he's benefited from pennsylvania basically being a border state. it's ridiculous <laughs> it's crazy how debates on immigration policy have gotten this far north it's like, crazy how dogs. everywhere is a border state uh-huh <laughs> Just like be- even Ron DeSantis talking about Florida being a border <laughs> state. It's like, yeah, you have a lot of immigrants from Latin America, but come on now. Come on now. You're not directly on the border. Stop acting like it. Yeah, we are directly bordering Cuba if you just ignore the ocean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they talked about a bunch of other things that aren't, they didn't really bring up anything of importance, like foreign policy. They had a section on like, will you support Trump or will you support Biden if they run in 2024, which I don't know why they keep asking. The obvious answer for both candidates is like, yeah, I'm going to support the dude from my party. Yeah. I, like, no Republican is going to say, I'm not going to support Donald Trump. He's going to get fucking eviscerated if he doesn't. And then I was like, I'll support any Republican up there. Of course, I'll support Donald Trump. Yeah. Which is so wild because another thing that Oz was hitting on throughout this debate was how he, he said explicitly he wants to bring civility back into the Senate. Mm-hmm. And he wants to make it so that Republicans and Democrats can work together again. And so that Democrats don't just, like, stop the process, which is the opposite of what really happens. Right. And he's just cry bullying. Yeah, there was a uh, there's a Pete Buttigieg clip recently, actually, where he was he was on one. I think it was Stephen Colbert. Okay, and I'm not a fan of Pete Buttigieg, but he actually made a good point where he was like, when we were talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, Republicans didn't offer any counter. Like they don't have any actual policy to combat inflation. And he was like, I would have loved to see a Republican Inflation Reduction Act versus a Democratic Inflation Reduction Act, but we only got one, Uh and that's because Republicans aren't actually introducing any real solutions when it comes to the Senate or the House. They don't have any solutions to any real problem. They just like to complain. It's not the fault of the Democrats that Republicans won't cooperate. They can choose to be different, Mm -hmm. so they just don't. They just That's don't. fun. I, I just I just love that. And I just love how it's Dr. Oz running as the conservative trying to say this. And I just think it's another reason that that points to the both candidates shifting center here. Yeah. Like he he was not the crazy Republican on a lot of these issues that I thought he was going to be in the debate. He was not yeah. like a Marjorie Taylor Greene. He didn't sound like the typical Trump candidate. He didn't sound like Tudor Dixon going on and saying that Patrick Leola deserved it. <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah. there was no moment like that. I feel like the craziest, most out of pocket oh thing God. he said was uh, a woman at her doctor and state and local official. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, Dr. Oz has had to water down his uh, his policies quite a lot. It's even since the uh, the debate that we watched back in like July or August. Yeah, even since a race. couple weeks ago. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure Dr. Oz said that now he supports exceptions for rape, incest, and health of the mother, which he refused to comment on during the primary debate. Exactly, yeah. And actually, uh, a little aside, on the Tudor Dixon and Gretchen Whitmer debate, yeah. Tudor Dixon had a crazy quote where she was like, <laughs> Justin Trudeau is the most radical environmentalist in the world. God damn. Tudor Dixon did not calm down her positions as opposed to Dr. Oz. Tudor Dixon went further. She doubled down on all of her decisions. (laughs) And she was saying something along the lines of like, um, Gretchen Whitmer's like abortion policies are akin to that of North Korea and China. What does that mean? I don't know. What, what does that mean? What the fuck? China doesn't even do the one child thing anymore. Yeah. At least I don't think. Like, yeah. 
And I don't know. Tudor Dixon's absolutely insane. Don't vote for her if you want. She's got a real finger on the pulse of North Korean policy. You know, Tudor Dixon, I was happy to see Gretchen Whitmer did a lot better than she did in the first debate. And Tudor Dixon kind of got swamped. For real? She she got stomped. Yeah. Kind of the best Democrat. Yeah, like Tudor Dixon, then. she was a um she used to be a news anchor, I think. For some I don't oh, I don't know. Probably what. some local news. I don't know what's going channel. crazy. Um but I think like halfway through the debate, she started I think she started like regressing. <laughs> uh because she she started to get stomped out and she started talking like news uh like she news did her, people her do. News cadence. Yeah, the news cadence in front of the camera. And I think she was regressing towards something she was familiar with. Because she was getting absolutely stomped out. Oh, that's bad. crazy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, don't we might, we might have to talk about that. Um, Tuesday, November eighth at eight p.m., uh-huh. seven p.m. for the Patreon pre-show to uh, get prepared for the election exactly. results. Exactly. Maybe we'll have up like a, a big board somewhere where it's like elections to watch, ballot proposals to watch. That's right. Maybe who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. You don't. We'll get you there clearly we get don't because you're not there yet. But once we're there, you could be there with us. Um, they the last thing they talked about that was of note was uh, SCOTUS expansion. Yeah. For some, I don't really know why this was a topic. Neither do I. Um, I feel like SCOTUS expansion hasn't even been a topic for like the past couple of months. Yeah, I think even after Roe v. Wade was overturned, no one really talked about it. I think the only time they talked about it was um, when Donald Trump what, like got three justices approved. Yeah, there are like three three Democrats that are even pro SCOTUS expansion at this uh-huh. point. Like it's not something that could reasonably happen. Right. Exactly. Like nobody's talked about this. Democrats have basically given up. Like, the last time yeah. I heard them talk about it was, again, when Amy Coney Barrett got approved. But since Facts. then, it, it just doesn't happen I won't pussyfoot it around it. I'm very pro-SCOTUS expansion. Oh, yeah. Fuck it, fuck I'm it. very pro getting good things done. There's nothing about SCOTUS that needs to be kept as is. Yeah. Um, it's not found in nature. We made it up <laughs> so we can change it whenever we want, Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, Fetterman said he doesn't agree with SCOTUS expansion, uh, even if he disagrees with the ideology of the Supreme Court. Oz said he, or Oz said he would never touch the makeup of the Supreme Court. Uh, then he said, John Fetterman wants to eliminate the filibuster, though. Yeah, if Edmund was like, yeah, I do. I actually do, do want to eliminate the filibuster. God damn! I don't and, really know why. And then that Oz up. just brought up like, this will make it so that Democrats can do everything bad that they want to do. Uh huh. It's like, yeah, because those are just good things. <laughs> yeah, those are just good. Well, things. yeah, he was like, he was saying some shit like, um, eliminating the filibuster like hurts democracy. Yeah, and it's th- like, who? I don't think any voters at home in Pennsylvania give a fuck about the filibuster. Uh, yeah, I don't think the filibuster is what's changing people's minds yeah. about who to vote for here. Nobody cares. It's going to get eliminated by one party at mm-hmm. some point once it stands in the way just enough to get them to overturn it. Yeah. So nobody really cares. Um, but ending our discussion on uh, debate watch real quick, we got to talk about the Fetterman stutter. Of course. Uh, that was the main, uh, just the main news buzz that was happening during the debate and right after the debate. Obviously it was bad for him. Oh, for sure. Uh, like I didn't, I, I expected it to be bad. It was hard to watch at points. Yeah, it, it wasn't good for him. It, did, it definitely didn't do him any favors, yeah. but I will say that I don't think it was worse than not debating at all. I think not debating at all would have been worse for him because it would have allowed, and this obviously it's counterfactual to mm-hmm. even talk about it at this point, but it would have allowed Oz to go on saying, John Fetterman's too scared to debate me as we've already seen their polls are getting closer and closer together. Yeah. So I think it was it was a good choice to try to do it. It didn't look great for him, but Oz is a trained media personality. John Fetterman had a stroke five months ago. What are you going to do? It's like the thing is the the stutter, it was noticeable at some points. There were some points where I'm like, this is just hard to get through just because he's tripping over his words, yeah. but like whatever. I just feel like from my perspective, the content of just his positions was what was bad about the yeah. debate. It was what I was not fucking with the debate. I don't think if he uh, he didn't have a stroke five months ago, he would really have done any better. 
Yeah, like like substantively, he exactly like, like his positions. positions would on fracking would not have changed again. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. he wouldn't flip back. And it's like I don't think I don't think anyone that is pro Fetterman or leaning towards Fetterman saw the debate and was like, oh fuck this guy. Yeah, <laughs> like for, I don't think real. anybody made oh, that. Decision. This guy stutters now. And, fuck that. Yeah, and like we talked about last week when we were covering other debates that we were talking about, it's like I feel like so many people from outside of the state of Pennsylvania that just like the blood sport, like us, were watching this, yeah. and many Pennsylvanians may not have even tuned in and may not even care. All they care about are the highlights some of the highlights might be pro oz because again oz is really good at talking mm-hmm. and fetterman was having a stutter so it was you know hard for him to re- retort a lot of the yeah. time but it's like oh well like what are what we really do you do? what the fuck are you gonna do yeah i'm not gonna get up here and pull an msnbc and say is fetterman really fit to serve if he's stuttering a little bit yeah no obviously not yeah, and it is. I, I have been seeing a lot of news outlets like MSNBC or the the Washington Post, et cetera, et cetera. They have really zeroed in on the stutter, yeah. on, on the auditory problems. And it's like, it's just an optical thing. Yeah. It, it, the stutter and the auditory thing is purely optical. He does not have to release his medical records. Uh-huh. That It's not the same thing as the, the Trump tax things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. His doctor signed the note. That's all I think anyone really needs to fucking know. His doctor says his cognitive ability is not impaired. Right. What does releasing – because the the moderators were asking for is entire medical history, uh-huh. not just the recent stuff, not just the stuff pertaining to the stroke. Like that's not that's, – yeah. that's a little weird, and I think that would just open him up for more attack for right. any weird thing that's ever happened to him before. And, and here's the thing. A lot of conservatives have been saying that – Keeping John Fetterman out of office as a senator isn't ableist if, you know, they think that his speech comprehension is a problem. But that literally is ableism. Yeah. And the question is, is that ableism justified? Because it is fair to have concerns about the physical ability of the people that will be representing you. Mm-hmm. Or the physical and mental ability, it's okay to have concerns about Sometimes that. Sometimes it's okay to discriminate. Uh, like, say someone has dementia. Right. You wouldn't want someone with dementia running for office and holding office. But the question is, is that ableism justified? And yeah. in this case, the answer is no, because his brain works fine. Yeah, he's it's chilling. It's just his talking that isn't <laughs> the greatest right now. As a medical professional said. Yeah, like his doctor literally said he's fit to serve, his brain is working fine, and he's actually doing better than uh, a normal stroke survivor would have been doing mm-hmm. at this point anyway. And who knows, in a year time, in a year's time, he could be speaking fine again, but he just had a stroke and it takes a while to recover. Uh, a stroke that many Americans have had too. For real, Oz has been campaigning against the aesthetics of disability. Yes. Like that's that's what's going on here. Yeah, his whole campaign is just um, Fetterman disabled, ha ha. <laughs> like he can't, he couldn't even talk. <laughs> I tried so hard to get a debate with him. It took me until now to get a, a debate with him. Exactly. I wonder why. Can you believe that? Oh my God, it's like he's recovering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like that's all It's it like is. the road to recovery is long. Yeah. Oh no. So anyway, I don't know that this is like, you know, the, the final thing that sinks the Fetterman campaign or anything like that. I still think it's going to be pretty close, whoever wins, no matter what. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it certainly didn't do him any favors, I don't think, but. Oh, well. It's also just wild that Oz, as a doctor, someone who went to medical school, is just making fun of someone who had a stroke. Right. Like, he understands that Fetterman is fine. Yeah. He gets it. A doctor was just out there lying about fentanyl, making fun (laughs) of a stroke survivor, (laughs) and saying that local officials should be involved in the decision to get an abortion. It reminds Insane. me. This is tangentially related, but do you remember who Dr. Robert Malone is? Yes, the, I do. The fucking ivermectin crazy yeah, COVID, guy. The COVID guy. He was just stripped of his uh, like medical 
title and everything. Like he's not a doctor anymore. Right, and they'll they say the it's board. cancellation, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a bunch of conservative because I was prowling r slash conservative earlier to oh, figure out what they were saying about the Paul Pelosi thing, and that's yeah. how I got a lot of the stuff I got out of it. But there was a couple threads about how Robert Malone was just um I don't know what the term is like disbarred. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like the same thing that happened to him is what happened to Rudy Giuliani for lying about the election. Like that's why Rudy was disbarred. Right, and to them, it's it's a sort of like selection bias, right? Yeah, because of course if uh, Robert Malone is kicked out of his you know ability to be a doctor disbarred or whatever the term is yeah, yeah, yeah. then it's like oh he's it dis- must doctor. it must be because he's being censored it must be because they're canceling him and not because he's spreading misinformation yeah. on the timeline because like their their whole argument was look this is a doctor like he's got his MD or right. what DO or whatever he had he's got these medical things he's a acclaimed doctor it's like not no he's not though yeah he's because not. being a doctor is part of being board certified as a doctor and following medical consensus you can't just pass medical school get your title and then say whatever the fuck you want anymore you have to stay true to the the rigors of science yeah and i think didn't um during covid uh, pretty early on i think donald trump had some doctor from like ethiopia or some shit come on and she was basically saying that covid was like demons like inside (laughs) your body i don't remember who this person was or exactly what she said but she said something about like it being fucking demons or something like yeah you can find anybody anywhere with any kind of credential that will say absolutely insane shit to fit your narrative for sure doesn't make it true it's why a lot of a lot of conservatives like to point to like nobel laureates who say crazy shit when really a lot of nobel laureates won got their nobel prize because of luck like the guy who discovered teflon the shit that's on every lab desk got that because he accidentally uh left a reaction running when he went on vacation like a lot of people in science discover things because they got lucky mm-hmm. and they go on to win Nobel prizes for them like that it, and then they go on to do crazy shit because yeah. they just got lucky one time yeah. and say crazy things and conservatives routinely point to like oh this is a Nobel prize winning PhD saying that ivermectin works it's like yeah but he's wrong yeah like they'll point to one guy while like 99% of doctors are like that's incorrect they'll be like, but what about this one guy it's it's a it's like a fundamental misunderstanding of how science works science is not one guy yeah science is not one Nobel laureate the people who won the Nobel Prize for CRISPR it's like yeah they did a crazy thing but there's also a plethora of other researchers who supported that research not only like physically in their lab but also doing peer review doing other studies to make sure that CRISPR Cas9 works like as I said understanding the mechanism of all this there's hundreds Hundreds, hundreds of thousands of scientists that came before and that will come after that are constantly expanding research to form what we call science and what right. we call like the scientific standard. Yeah. And then anytime a doctor comes out with an opposite opinion to what they believe, you know, something that may be considered the mainstream opinion, they immediately uh, disregard it because it's, you know, in line with the mainstream. So it must be wrong. Like, yeah. It must be backed by big pharma. Like, yeah, of course, big pharma is a problem, but that's because of capitalism, not because of individual doctors saying like, yeah, you should mask up for COVID and take the vaccine. Yeah. It's not individual researchers going, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to do the opiate crisis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's a, it's a policy decision, my guy. <laughs> Like, come on now. Some doctor didn't say, you know what? I'm going to start overprescribing pain medicine. It's not even to mention that they only <laughs> understand structural problems when it, like, fits a narrative. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Like, that's the only time they get it is when they can focus on these cringe quack doctors like Dr. Oz <laughs> and give them a fucking Senate seat. Like, that's it. That's the only time. Anyway, Love time for some, time for some billionaire Talk news. about more quacks. Time, time to talk about a little bit more quacks. We got to talk about Kanye. We got to talk about Elon Musk and a little bit of Zuck. Kanye West canceled. Tiny little bit of Zuck at the end. So yeah, uh, as you've all, as we've already talked about a little bit on the show, Kanye West has been canceled because he came out with um, his belief that Jewish people run the world. He Classic also came Nazi out belief. with his belief that the Holocaust was fake, kind of. Yeah, he kind of did say that. Did you? Of course. Wait, what? Did you watch the Lex Friedman podcast? I haven't. I haven't. I got. I got a little bit into it. 
and I didn't, there, there's like a four, an hour long discussion about the Holocaust. Oh, great. I bet it's riveting. <laughs> Fucking insane, dude. <laughs> I, I only got like about like 10, 15 minutes into the Holocaust stuff before I had to do other things, but every bit that I heard was just fucking wild. That's One nuts. Kanye, like Lex Friedman is Jewish. He's also a pseudo-intellectual Joe Rogan guy. Y- you all might know who he is, yeah, but yeah. he's not someone to really focus on and pay attention to, but he had him on. He himself is Jewish, yeah. and he pushed back a little bit against Kanye, but Kanye goes, no, I'm Jew. Yeah. I'm black, yeah. so I'm Jew. Yeah. The 13th tribe of Israel. Uh-huh. God damn, on it's some insane shit. Holocaust denial at its finest. Yeah, so of course Kanye, he came out with, you know, saying Jewish people are running the world. He also, he's been on a little bit of an apology tour. Yeah. Uh, like over the past few days, he's been apologizing to like certain communities and stuff like that. But then at one point, like he's in front of the camera saying sorry. And then he was like, yeah, I was speaking out about something and, you know, the media censored me and I can't say who it was because <laughs> I was getting in trouble. And then he keeps going on and he was like, it was the Jewish people. It was, it was the Jews. That's who censored me. It's like, Doug, you're not apologizing. You're still being anti-Semitic. <laughs> But um, the the reason I bring Kanye up again is because he lost his billionaire status. Yeah, uh, it has been Adidas, Gap, and Foot Locker that all cut ties with Kanye, and that lost him about two billion dollars over the course of he, a day. His net worth was two billion dollars before yeah. this, and now it's sitting at like four hundred million, which is still insanely wealthy. He has not really been canceled. Yeah, that is not cancel culture. I, I would argue that the difference in lifestyle between four hundred million dollars of your net worth and two billion is not that much. Yeah, <laughs> you are you're losing a lot of money physically, but you are not really personally losing much. Yeah, like you're literally fine. You're literally. Uh, you fine. might have to sell one of your thirty houses. Uh, another thing that got canceled though was a Yay documentary, which yes. was being um, which was being done by MRC Entertainment, and they read they released a statement, very long statement about like Kanye's behavior and why they're canceling it and stuff. And I wanted to read a portion of it. Have you seen this? No. All right, this is this is no. a doozy. This is just one paragraph out of a longer statement, but just I thought this shit was crazy. Okay. They said Kanye is a producer and a sampler of music. Last week, he sampled and remixed a classic tune that has charted for 3,000 years. The lie that Jews are evil and conspire to control the world for their own gain. The song was performed a cappella in the time of the pharaohs, Babylon and Rome, and went acoustic with the Spanish Inquisition and Russia's Pale of the Settlement, and Hitler took the song electric. Wait, Kanye sampled a Nazi song? No, they're just saying that he's remixing anti-Semitism. They're making music jokes and puns. I was like, wait a minute. Kanye has now helped mainstream it into the modern era. (laughs) They're just making jokes about it. They're making puns, music puns. That's actually kind of hilarious. Yeah. I I was just, I was blown away when I saw that. I was like, this is a serious situation. What are you, what are you doing? But yeah, that was MRC's statement on the, uh. On the whole, on the whole thing, that's on why crazy. they're not releasing the documentary. Um, <laughs> and before we move on to talking about Elon Musk and his takeover at Twitter, I do want to mention it is kind of asymmetrical how Kanye's been treated when you compare him to other people of similar class status that are just white. Yeah, I feel like a lot of white people, because they're white, can just get away with saying this kind of stuff Stephen or similar Crowder. things. Case in point, but Kanye gets absolutely slammed. You should get slammed when you say shit For like sure. this. But someone like, yeah, Steven Crowder or some other, you know, white billionaire, like like a Tom McDonald person who's obviously not as big as Kanye, uh-huh. doesn't have as big of a cultural impact as Kanye, raps about this shit all the time. Oh, for sure. Is he basically just, he doing just doesn't say the Jews. Racism and anti-Semitism in his songs and like nobody cares. You know the, what I mean? The biggest like quote unquote mistake that Kanye made was just straight up saying that it's the Jews that did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because people talk like that all the fucking time. Steven Crowder, Charlie Kirk, literally every right wing media personality except like Ben Shapiro will say these things and then Ben Shapiro will defend them. Yeah, of course. Because he's spineless. Yeah. 
And then I also do want to know how it's also asymmetrical how Kanye, like Gage already said, is still a millionaire. His material existence will not change yeah. one bit. But if you were a, you know, a normal worker who makes minimum wage or even $15 an hour, let's say, mm-hmm. if you said some shit like this while you're, you know, doing your bartending job, you're obliterated. Like, oh, yeah. Your means of fired. subsistence is gone. You'd lose all of your money because right. you'd lose any means to make money. But Kanye is like fine now. Uh-huh. And like, yeah, you should be socially punished if you are going to do something insane like the Jews are running everything. <laughs> And say that the Jews are running everything. But, like, yeah, I, it's just, it's weird how someone, a billionaire like Kanye, can just, or a, an ex billionaire like Kanye, yeah, yeah. can say this stuff and just get away with it, but a normal person gets eviscerated. It's a, uh, it's an uneven system. For sure. And For not sure. a, not a very fair system. But I guess it is just good to see Kanye's dealing with at least some social repercussions since he's going to be fine economically. So. If you all gassed up the pod so much to where um my net worth was two billion dollars and then i guess i ha- impossibly mm-hmm. this is a hypothetical because it's impossible that i would have a bad take i am Im- <laughs> i In impossibly universe, lose billions of that money so that i only have 400 million i don't think i'd really be complaining that much yeah yeah we might have to downgrade the stew a little bit yeah that's for real it. but it's time to move on to elon musk because after months of uh not wanting to buy Twitter, not mm-hmm. wanting to buy the company, and finding out he might go to jail if he doesn't go through with the purchase. <laughs> Elon Musk has uh, fully become the owner of Twitter after he he posted a really bad meme where he was like, "I own Twitter now. Let that sink in." And he carried a sink into Twitter HQ. Yep. Um, and that was uh, it was really corny. He has to purchase comedy immediately. Fired like everybody. Well, he, he did fire a lot of like CEO people, but mm-hmm. uh, he I think he previously said he was going to fire like 70 percent or 75 percent of the company, okay. uh, which you can't do because <laughs> tw- you need like your engineers. Yeah. How, the, and your, how like, are you going to run Twitter yeah. if you do that? So he obviously didn't do that. And we've already talked about this a ton. So there's like not much to say. We've mm-hmm. already talked about like the optics of it, the actual impact, that kind of thing. The only thing um, to talk about is what people are now tweeting. Yeah, I saw some headline and I reposted it. Some like Business Insider article that said the use of the N word has gone up like five hundred percent. That's crazy. Um, because now they're like emboldened and they won't be banned. And it was like, wow, that's really cool. I've that's seen screenshots of people just tweeting the N word, hard yeah. R and yep. everything, just owning it. I've seen screenshots of people just tweeting nazi images mm-hmm. just like uh pepe nazi memes mm-hmm. like just going nuts on twitter yeah. like it's it, they, they, there are gonna have to be serious steps that have to be taken to stop this from devolving into just a new 4chan well yeah and that was gonna be my take on this is like the whole the whole optical win that conservatives want with elon musk taking control of twitter is that oh look uh conservatives won't be censored anymore right yeah because that's the whole narrative that they have latched onto is that on twitter and other social media sites that are owned by tech billionaires we're being censored mm-hmm. conservative voices are being censored and it is true in part that conservatives have to deal with tos and bans and suspensions a lot more than liberals or centrists or lefties do but it also follows that conservatives are a lot more unhinged and like to lie more and and that is exactly my point is that tos is enforced unevenly against conservatives because they are more likely to say insane shit on twitter it, it doesn't have to be this way right they could not say crazy things but you are saying those things, and that's why it's unevenly enforced. But as a, as soon as Elon Musk tweeted, the bird is free, which is corny. Shut yeah. the fuck up. Yeah. Uh, every white ring, right-wing media personality started tweeting things like, the 2020 election was stolen. Yep. The vaccine doesn't work. Yep. Ivermectin works. Um, basically, black lives don't matter. Like, shit like that. Just yeah. going nuts. Going nuts. Yeah, no, and it just proves that all they wanted to do, all they wanted to be able to do was say insane shit. They wanted to be able to lie on the timeline, and that's why they want Elon Musk in charge. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that if Elon Musk doesn't have some kind of moderation, doesn't have some kind of terms of service, then it will just devolve into 8chan. 
Yeah. Because like even like even, you know, a place as awful as like 4chan has an amount of moderation, you know, things like you can't spread child porn and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but if he doesn't want it to devolve into some awful social media site that nobody uses, then you have to have terms of service. Mm -hmm. And that is the truth of literally everything. Like because if we consider Twitter to be the digital town square. Right. And then we kind of map that onto a physical space. Say it's the physical town square. There are certain acts that you can't do. Right? Yeah. You can't be fucking naked in the town square. Imagine someone came into the town square and just started shouting the N-word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like people are on Twitter. Nobody likes that. Nobody would, would think that that is cool. And they would rightfully kick that person out of the Times exactly. Square. Exactly. So Elon Musk will have to have some level of moderation, some level of terms of service, which will again mean that right-wingers are going to have it enforced against them more often than everybody else because they're the ones saying the N-word and being anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen no matter what. It's, yeah. It wasn't a result of, like, lefties running Twitter. It was a result of social media platforms existing and right-wingers being racist. <laughs> like, that's all it was. Like, obviously, you have to have some kind of rules in place for social media to exist. And also, just the idea that, like, Elon Musk is going to come save them uh, from, like, the elite is, is so funny to me. As if he's not the elite. Like, right. the elite, As is he still the richest man in the world? Yeah. Well, like, Forbes, richest man in the world? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I got to point out the irony that the conservative narrative is always that the media is owned by the elite, and they're silencing conservative voices, right? They're censoring mm -hmm. us, which is already an incorrect take. That's not how things work. But now they're rejoicing that a billionaire is here to save them from the elite? Like, brother, this is so corny of you. Like, you've been absolutely yeah. cucked by the economy. You've been cucked by capitalism. You've been cucked by people that have infinitely more power than you do. Conservatives so love just using he's one of the good ones rhetoric. Yeah. Like, no, no matter what yeah. situation is, yeah, one of the good ones, though. Like, their whole narrative basically boils down to uh, censorship is okay as long as it's not towards me. Yeah, good billionaires will save us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, that's Fun. all. That, like, Elon Musk obviously is the elite. Private ownership of the quote unquote town square, if Twitter can even be considered that, is oligopoly, right? Mm -hmm. Like that that is elitism, is what that is. But they're just saying since he's on our side, it's okay. And there's no telling that he even will be on their side for the whole time. They're just completely cucked by oh, it. Oh yeah, no, for real. There's no telling that they won't like there's a real possibility that they might turn on Elon Musk as he has to moderate them. Yeah. Because a big uh, a big thing that has come out of Elon Musk actually taking control of Twitter is he say, he's saying that he wants to cater the platform towards advertisers. His monetization strategy centers around personalized ads. He came out and said that ads that are based on things that you want to see are content and they're not a nuisance. He mm -hmm. wants to streamline advertisers on the platform. He wants to make the platform more appealing to advertisers. Yeah. No advertiser is going to want to advertise on your platform except Mike Pillow. Yeah. Uh, if you're getting headlines published saying that the N-word ha usage has increased 500%. Right. If you are getting headlines talking about how Nazis are literally taking over Twitter, that's not going to work. Right. And those people are going to rightfully, like, have not, well, not rightfully, those people are necessarily going to have to turn against him. Yeah. Because he's betraying them in yeah. their eyes. No, exactly. Yeah. Again, as long as TOS exists, it's going to be enforced unfairly quote unquote unfairly yeah. or disproportionately onto conservatives because they'll be the ones saying the insane things and you're not going to get any advertisers if people are saying the n-word all the time yeah. because nobody wants their products associated with bigotry and racism you can call it wokeness if you want but that's the free market brother that's, that's how it works yeah. <laughs> and then maybe maybe after uh, all elon musk's conservative stands leave him because he's betrayed them become uh, in a woke. year in a year he's going to tweet another picture of stick figures and he's going to say look at me moving to the left look yeah. at how the right has moved more right over time looks like and, a then, Max and then hillary Clinton will eat it up. Yeah, Hillary Clinton will be like, it's good to have you back. You need a Pokemon Go buy a Tesla. Oh, fuck. <laughs>
Uh, also, side note, um, not on Elon Musk, but the metaverse has apparently lost $9 billion. Uh, and apparently it's eating into Zuck's personal funds now. And I just, that's all I have on the metaverse story. But I just, I think it's hilarious that, 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 that Mark Zuckerberg's so losing money. Everything that comes out about the metaverse, I think is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Especially just any image that comes out of it. Because it looks fucking stupid. Oh, it's bad. It looks worse than a VR chat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like VR chat looks better than the metaverse. I can't imagine being a Facebook executive and just having to just cope with Mark Zuckerberg making you put on your Oculus uh -huh. headset to go to meetings. Like, yeah. dog, I'd kill myself. That's yeah. ridiculous. Like, I don't, I know, like, the whole, um, the whole, like, social feeling around the metaverse is like, oh, one day this is going to take over all of work and it's just going to be absolutely terrible, which could be true. I don't yeah. know what the future holds, but I am really happy to see that everyone in unison, like, Literally, like even conservatives, liberals, everybody is just like this fucking sucks. I, I will nobody be so likes this. happy the day it fails. You know what? I I hope that it goes so far as to drain Zuck's funds down to zero. Yeah, and he goes bankrupt over the metaverse because it's so fucking stupid. It is really dumb. The the only people that thought that this was a good idea were I guess investors that are out of touch with anything that anyone uh -huh. likes. Like it has it has like cool novelty VR of course, yeah. but it is not anywhere near practical at this point. Oh no, and it's gonna take a long time before it actually has practical implications and right now it's just it's wildly uncomfortable nobody really likes it and nobody wants to use it for work work exactly. is already unbearable and now you want to stick a fucking five pound headset onto somebody's <laughs> face as they do work and give them a headache 10 minutes in exactly nobody give them a headache that. 10 minutes in the eye thing isn't going to be able to like adjust uh -huh. they're constantly going to have a little bit of double vision on the edge like what you see now like right now vr is novelly fun to play blade and sorcery yeah some like stupid fucking <laughs> like game. stupid fucking games to fly a fucking fighter plane for a little bit uh -huh. or maybe to play super hot because yeah. that game is gas or like some of those shooter arcade games yeah for like an hour max exactly <laughs> like, like, then like, you want to be done vr is cool for like our arcade type i things. would i would not want to be doing excel for <laughs> VR you know what i mean like let I me would, go physically grab the cell and move it yeah. over to a2 i already i already hate using like microsoft office applications on my regular computer oh yeah outlook not outlook outlook's the email that one's fine microsoft teams though awful dog shit absolutely terrible dog shit OneDrive, the way that it opens up every time I open my computer just automatically yeah. takes forever to boot up. Yeah, so I, I am glad that people are just absolutely rejecting the metaverse right now. I don't know. Maybe it'll grow. Maybe it'll consume more and more. Facebook, or I guess it's now Meta. Meta obviously has the money to lose, right? Yeah. They're one of the most profitable companies Got in the world. Got money to burn. They'll be fine. Ultimately, it's not like Meta's going to crash or anything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm just glad to see that this has not been received well. Maybe the free market can work on occasion. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Just maybe, in the snapshot maybe of the Maybe, guys, world. I'm pro-free market now, yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that ends my um, my section on Billionaire Talk. That ends watch. some Billionaire Talk. And now, it's time to talk about crime. Ooh, what I'm going to go do after this pod, crime. Exactly, what I'm doing all the time. I'm about crime. to commit crime. I'm a, as a leftist, I'm a criminal. It's so true. That's right. So true. That's right. And yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about people's perceived notions of crime uh -huh. and crime statistics, but not in the way that conservatives use it as a pseudo N-word. Uh, we're going to talk about actual crime statistics. Well, you know, despite making up 13%. <laughs> That's the type of shit they be on, not me. Exactly, yeah. I'm smarter than that. Never me. I'm smarter than that. As you'll see right here. So basically, a new Gallup poll came out last Friday saying that Americans as a whole think that crime has been on the rise. Specifically, a record-breaking 50-year high, 56% of, of 
fuck. 56% of Americans think that crime has increased in their local area, and 78% believe that crime is on the rise nationwide. That's not record-breaking, but 56% thinking that their like, local surrounding uh-huh. area increases is a record-breaking number of Americans that mm-hmm. think that, mm-hmm. right? I'm guessing some nuance is coming. Some, some nuance is definitely coming. But what he, we're here to ask is, is this perception warranted? Yeah. Now, before we get into that, let's talk about how uh, these results are much more interesting when you break them down by party, oh, political boy. party, yeah. more specifically. Currently, 73% of conservatives say that crime in their area has risen, while only 51% of independents and 42% of Democrats say the same. And this is just, this is wholly based on vibes. This is wholly based on vibes. It's, it's just like conservative, like it's just, this is, they're saying, Jeremy, what do you think about crime? Right. They're just saying, do you feel like crime has increased? Yes. Not has, okay, yeah, okay. Vibes. Totally based on vibes. Totally right based on vibes. Just how I feel. That's facts right. over feelings. Yeah. In the moment. Right? Yeah. Real feelings facts over facts. Feelings over facts. But um, when comparing these stats to previous years, we see that in 2020, only 38% of conservatives thought crime rose as compared to 2019. And this number jumped like crazy in 2021 to 67% of conservatives believe that crime increased over the other year. And the 73% is a six point increase over last year's things. Well, Joe Biden did hit the crime up button as well as the gas up button. Exactly. Exactly. We know those are buttons he has. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is local. Like, this is conservatives sitting in their rural communities saying that crime has increased in their rural communities, okay. right? These statistics get even crazier when we zoom out and look nationally. Mm-hmm. Democrats and independents are pretty whatever on this. But right now, in this moment of time, conservatives have reached an all-time high, with 95% <laughs> of conservatives wow. believing that national crime has increased compared to 2020. That's about as ubiquitous as you can get. That is the highest that number has ever been, and it is two points higher than in 1993, when we legitimately had yeah, an, a, real crime, a real crime wave, like yeah. a huge, massive crime wave. The highest crime that we've ever had in the country. Right. Conservatives now believe that there's more crime than in the early 90s, than the real crime wave that led to the crime bill yeah yeah that's fucking insane right anything thank but, god they don't have control of congress holy shit that's what i'm and <laughs> that's why it's so important to get out there and vote on you know what Could i mean you imagine how crazy the crime bill would be this time exactly oh my god and obviously their fear somewhat unfounded when talking about national crime statistics in general you have to consider that there aren't consistent means of reporting right, every right. state every locality is going to have their different ways of doing things and the the best thing that you have is the justice department's bureau of crime statistics yeah now i'm going to read you some of the things that the justice department's bureau of crime statistics has said last month it released its 2021 data on criminal victimization nationwide not just based on vibes not just based on vibes based on real hard evidence based on cold hard feelings. facts this is the factual podcast welcome to the episode we report on facts we don't speculate at all Uh uh whatsoever when it this is the 2021 data on criminal victimization nationwide easy when it comes to violent victimization aka people who are the victims of violent crimes like rape robbery and aggravated assault but not murder it found that the estimated rate had declined from 2012 through last year Uh, And that the rate did not change between 2020 and 2021. As for property crimes, the rate also has not significantly increased during the previous year, which is wild considering that a lot of the wave about people just stealing from stores rampantly because cops are too afraid to do anything Uh is just a lie. It's a narrative. It's just all made up. It's all narratives. And what what I think is funny is that NMSNBC points out, we know that voters in rural counties 
Counties tend to lead Republican, and those in urban counties tilt towards Democrats. But even though Republicans are convinced crime is up in their area, if we look at the DOJ statistics, the violent victimization rate remained unchanged in suburban or rural huh. areas huh. between 2020 and 2021. And while crime has risen in some cities, stats like the murder rate and gun violence are actually down in other cities like New York City. Wow. And importantly, are still nowhere near the peaks we saw in the 1990s. Despite that, the natural crime crisis is often framed as a major as a majorly urban one that is leaking into the suburbs. Wow, isn't that fucking insane? Yeah, and I think I think there's two things going on here. The first one is that obviously, anytime we talk about crime and narratives and politicians specifically surrounding crime, it is always 100 percent of the time a proxy for racism. Mm -hmm. Anytime they talk about crime, they are alluding to this idea that black people are somehow more inherently criminal than other people. This doesn't mean that your average conservative voter in suburbia yeah. like, is necessarily saying that black people are more violent, but every Republican politician and Republican talk show host that pushes narratives about crime despite knowing better is doing that. They they understand the intersectionality behind yes. it. They get why these things are, mm -hmm. and they are trying to push a narrative that somehow black people are inherently more criminal and you should be more afraid of them. And the second thing I think is going on is that they have to make this kind of argument to justify things like increased police spending, increased yeah. intrusion onto your life, and the restriction of your liberties and that kind of thing. Because back when, uh, back during the 90s, yep. when they were debating things like broken windows policing, they would often cite mm -hmm. things like, well, people feel safer when more cops are around, mm -hmm. but there isn't an actual statistical decrease in crime rates. Especially, it's wholly based on vibes. And we, we have, wholly based on vibes. And we have data right now that backs that up, especially in th places like New York City. Yeah. Uh, Eric Adams has been consistently ramping up the amount of police that are patrolling subways, yet crime has not gone down yeah. in the subways in New York. That's crazy. That yeah, is exactly. Completely counter to the whole like theory of crime that conservatives present. Yeah, no, it's like people report feeling safer. Like even I think I don't know if it's across the board, but I don't think it's necessarily segmented by race. Like everybody mm -hmm. reports feeling safer when cops are around, yeah. as long as the cops aren't like harassing you or targeting you or something like <laughs> For that. Sure. But that doesn't it, again, it's not actually associated in a decrease with a decrease in crime because cops don't actually prevent crime. Mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise. They actually cause crime rates to go up sometimes. And it's it's just absolutely wild that we are seeing record high numbers of yeah. perceived nationwide crime and near record high numbers of like perceived local crime because 78% yeah. is nearing the peaks of the 90s when it was mm -hmm. about 81%. And these motherfuckers are living in rural communities. Uh -huh. These motherfuckers are far insulated from pretty much like any of the crime that they're talking about. Obviously, rural yeah. communities can be awful and a lot of things goes unreported in rural communities. There's, there's drug problems. I was going to say there's, drug use. All yeah. of the regular problems you have in urban cities, just not as dense as in urban cities. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'll also note that like a lot of conservatives have been running on this idea that crime is higher than it's ever been. We're experiencing yeah. a crime wave right now when the states with the highest murder rates are red states mm -hmm. and the poorest states in the union are red states. And then, and then but they see, always blame it on Democrat run cities. Like that's always the story. New York City being lower on these violent crime yeah. measures when compared to previous years. The the Democrat-run city. It's like New York, Chicago, California. Exactly. Like, they will, they love running on crime is increased, crime is increased, you know, a criminal's gonna break in your house and kill you or something like that. Yeah. While doing absolutely nothing to restrict crime other than funneling money into police. And again, increased funding for the police isn't associated with a decrease in crime. They're just trying to scare you to get you behind their narrative and, and get like, you behind their policies. That, that's precisely the point here. This, this perceived crime wave is solely fueled by the media yeah it's not yeah. fueled by increased rates of victimization because those nationally have gone down yeah 
that's it, it's simple. Those are the actual statistics because I know conservatives love their FBI crime statistics. <laughs> this is you what cite they them are all the time. You all, you're always the guy citing them. No, and it's like even if even if crime statistics had gone up, and even if there was an increase in things like murder or robbery or assault mm-hmm. or whatever it may be, I'm pretty sure we could explain for those with socioeconomic conditions. Oh, absolutely. Because we've gone through a pandemic. There's inflation right now. People are struggling economically. Like we could explain for those things through our own ideology without resorting to things like well it must be black people in the inner city yeah, we totally understand why things like why what what things make crime go up yeah and then conservatives theory of crime is just wrong their theory of crime and policing and justice and punishment is just wrong all it's of it's just wrong. simply backwards yeah exactly and it, this is this is all just fueled by every single attack ad that i have seen which is just, like side note I am so fucking sick of seeing attack oh ads God, on every YouTube video that I watch. It's always just Al- Alyssa Slotkin does this. Alyssa Slotkin does that. Alyssa Slotkin's soft on crime policies are, are going to get you fucking murdered and raped and killed. Uh-huh. Like, I'm so sick of it. It is just honestly Alyssa Slotkin's so like the moderate of the house, by the way. She's the most bipartisan person <laughs> in the house. Yeah. Like, you can't get more moderate than her. Literally. You literally can't. That, that's something like she runs on is mm-hmm. being the most moderate person she's in the, ever. She's in the Problem Solvers Caucus. Lo- love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love me my Problem Solvers. Which may be a bit oxymoronic, but whatever. Exactly. But anyway, like all of it is is just they're soft on crime. They're just going to let immigrants come over the border right. and fucking murder in Michigan. you. Yeah. Um, Dr. Oz, he says that Fetterman is going to let one third of prisoners out. He's mm-hmm. going to let violent murderers out. The Fetterman thing specifically is he wants to let people who are in for weed out. Yeah, he wants to let nonviolent offenders out, which is very fair because they're not really a risk to society. Yeah. And I think the thing that like Democrats have recognized over the last several decades is that running against law and order rhetoric is really fucking hard. Oh, yeah. Because it is wholly based on fear. It's wholly based on vibes. And it's really easy to manipulate people into voting for you if you make it seem like you're going to die if you don't vote for mm-hmm. them, if they don't win elections. And that's kind of explains why the crime bill was supported by Democrats as well. Yeah. Like it was led, the charge was led by Joe Biden. It was signed into law by Bill Clinton, but it was also a bipartisan effort, right? It was like 93 senators signed on to that despite Republicans also being in the Senate. It was, it was agreed upon by both parties because Democrats eventually learned that, oh, we also need to run on law and order rhetoric. Yeah. And I think that's partially why Democrats are so weak when it comes to responding to accusations of the crime wave because, again, it takes a very nuanced discussion to understand that it's socioeconomic factors that encourage crime and nothing inherent and nothing about, like, police is really going to change that. Mm-hmm. But you can't really have that discussion in 60 seconds on a debate stage, and you certainly can't have it in a one-sided news publication like Fox News. Yeah, that's facts. Another another interesting thing to note that I saw on this Gallup poll is I, I bet you could guess the year with which perceived crime was at the lowest it's ever been. Um, I could guess. I bet you could guess what year it was. Is it recently? Somewhat. <sighs> They've been reporting I, for 50 years. I have no idea. 2001, I was going to say 2001, <laughs> actually. That was the number I was thinking. It was 2001. I and I honestly, I feel like that just points to the fact that conservatives constantly need an enemy yes. to keep you in fear, to keep that fear-mongering Reddit going. Because when it's not crime, it was literally just the Taliban. It was terrorism. It was American freedom and the Taliban. <laughs> it was terrorism and Muslims that have lived here like for that, 20 years. That shit like, was so funny to me to see that that was the point where we thought crime was at its lowest. 2001? Mm-hmm. My God. Another interesting thing to know is that 
Democrats are kind of bad at running against law and order rhetoric because they do do it. Here in the Gallup poll, it says partisan yeah. perception of local crime from 1989 to 2022 separated by which president was in office. And when George H.W. Bush was in office, Democrats perceived more crime than conservatives did. When Bill Clinton was in office, it flip-flopped a little bit because he was pretty moderate. When George W. Bush was in office, Democrats perceived, again, more crime than conservatives did. Right. And then – um. Barack Obama, it was conservatives over Republicans, Donald Trump, Democrats over conservatives, and Joe Biden, it has reached record high numbers yeah. of conservatives over Democrats. Democrats seem they, – they don't even seem that much more consistent. They aren't immune to it. But yeah. we know that Democrats are also a right-wing party. Right, yeah. Democrats definitely aren't immune to it, and Democrats often – yeah, like like we've seen everyone in the Democratic Party has abandoned defund the police. Yeah. They haven't talked about it since the 2020 election. Not even the progressives. Yeah, not even the progressives are talking about defund the police because partially I think they know it's like a hard narrative to push, but part of the reason it is such a hard narrative to push is because it is so nuanced. And they don't believe in it. When like, we say things like defund the police, we mean redirect police funding towards institutions that will actually reduce crime rates long term, mm -hmm. like educating our children more. Because people that are educated are less likely to commit crimes if they have economic opportunities available to them. But again, those arguments are nuanced. It takes a lot of time to discuss. It takes a lot of convincing. And I guess they just don't feel like they're able to do that or they feel like the law and order rhetoric that Republicans and right-wingers push is too powerful to overcome when you're trying to like make real arguments about treating people as human beings oh, yeah. rather than just throwing them in jail. And it's hard to just make real arguments about treating people as human beings when we can see from these polls that it is literally a partisan thing. Yeah. Like it is the the perception of crime seems purely partisan because you know what? If if I wasn't like paying it, if I wasn't completely and utterly media pilled, I'd think that like nothing was going on. Like mm -hmm. I personally, not really much shit happens around me. The only shit that I see are my MSU alert notifications when someone gets their moped stolen. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, if I'm going based off that, moped Pet thefts are down, baby. <laughs> <laughs> MSUPD is doing their job. MSUPD is getting it done. Joe Biden's policies have reached Michigan State University. <laughs> yeah, it just it, it is even more ironic when you consider that Democrats have fully bought into just funding the police. Yeah, like you had Cory Booker on the floor of the Senate like a few months ago saying like we love to fund the police. <laughs> you have Joe Biden saying that he wants to fund the police, and I'm pretty sure Democrats have put forward packages to fund the police, do things like uh, tighten the border a little bit more, and like actual reform yeah. that they want to do, and Republicans just don't vote for it because they don't want to give them an optical W because they don't want to be they don't want to be seen as uh, I've fixed the problem because the problem is more useful to them than the actual solution is when of it comes course. to campaigning. And of course, once they get into office, like if Republicans win um, and win either chamber or both chambers, which might be likely in Congress, then of course, they're going to put forward proposals that like give police everything that we were going to give to the military or give police all of the social security dedication like, oh my God. or just give police anything that the Democrats were going to give them anyway. Yeah. Fun thing. And they'll just take the W like it's a wholly partisan issue. And I almost, I almost want to make the argument that like part of it is our foreign policy coming back home to us. Yeah. Like the way in which we treat our poorest people, the way in which we treat criminals, which are a result of poverty and, you know, economic stagnation. Um, directly reflects exactly how we treat people overseas. Oh yeah, or in we treat countries. everything like a war. Yeah. We literally call it the war on drugs and the war on poverty. Right, like the war on drugs seemingly authorizes like what a a military force. Something. And if like you're doing that. a war on drugs, then who's going to be the military force? It's going to be it's the police. The cops. You're waging a war. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
So it's um yeah, we can really only understand things as they uh, relate to violence, which is not a great, not oh, a very good country. That's white culture, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers are always running around saying that white people have no culture, white people this, white people that. That's white culture. Yeah, let me tell you white culture. The war on drugs, the opioid crisis, over-policing, that's white culture, baby. Exactly. Also, I'd like to add Spirit Halloween taking uh-huh. over absolutely any and any foreclosed business. Oh, and I have a new addition. Yeah. Kanye's a part of white culture now, baby. <laughs> At least for now. Until he does, a, he, or does a, I guess, a face turn and goes back to the good side. Uh, anyway, I think that wraps up our episode. I think so, too. Nice. Uh, well, I, I hope you all enjoyed the episode. I hope you got your calendars marked for November 8th at 8 p.m. Right. EST or 7 p.m. if you become a mark, patron. Schedule's cleared. Every patron. While it's ready. While it's ready, every patron will be al- every patron will be allowed to join, regardless of tier. Uh, you'll all be invited if you're a patron to 7 p.m. EST live stream. That's right. So you got to tune in, mark your calendars. But you're before we know. go, speaking of patrons, speaking <laughs> of the group of people that will be able to tune in. Speaking of real uh, MAGA heroes, real American patriots. Real American patriots. We got to give That's a special right. thanks to Cricket Scrapbook Layouts, Nikki Nine Lives, Caden Kraut, Lord T, Chris the Postman, Christy Beck, Talia Katz, 40% Spite, Andrew Harris, Mike Chaplinski, Mattias T, The B Plot, Omar Zuno, Clayton LaFed, Mark Yeager, Sarah McRoberts, Derek Messina, Dylan B, The Mind Sculptors, Kaz, Caleb Joy, Jim Bobs, Carl D, Rich Toro, Tari, Gavin Mayer Maldonado, Hunter W, Fergalaki, Max Vesquez, Jacob Rogers, Colton Muberry, Fixer Punk, Jim Egbers, Jeff Muzzy, Ted Cruz's Boy Toy, Bagel Burrito, Cincy Alex, Jasper Hangaras, Bread, Joe Stenstrom, and my mom. Thank you all so much for supporting the show on Patreon. God. Uh, you are you are some of the very few people that aren't causing the crime wave that's happening right now that's exactly. destroying our cities. Exactly. Exactly. Ninety five percent of crime is actually up. Exactly. Yeah, all of it. Crime is up ninety five percent. Um, and the five percent that aren't causing crime are you guys. That's right. Loitering's up, baby. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Jaywalking, it's up. Panhandling? Are you kidding? Oh my it's, god. That's a crazy amount. Uh, anyway, thank you all for listening to the show. We'll see y'all next Have week. Have a great week.